Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 94. Only six more to go. To, is that right? I don't know. That sounds like it should be right, but there's probably some kind of anomaly in there that means it's wrong. Close to the 100th episode, starting obviously over two years ago now, um, had some fantastic guests on over the years. Examples of that would be last week we um, spoke to a guy, Henry Bunn in Cameroon, who spoke about uh, a community farm that they have there that's feeding about 370 families a month, which is quite insane. They're talking about honey, they're talking about milk, they're talking about various crops, cassava, wheat, and so on and so forth. So that was interesting. The next episode, which I think I actually said was supposed to be this week, but there was a problem uh, with, a, with a link uh, for the filming, uh, is Torfin Armstrong. He'll be talking about R&D tax credit opportunities for your business. So if you're listening in and you have a business and you're wanting to try and get some, some extra money or free up some money, that is the one to listen to with Torfin Armstrong. But today we have... <coughs> um, Somewhat of a, a a wall breaker, I would say, in the sector. Knocks a lot of walls down and, and, and creates a lot of opportunities for herself. And it's sort of been a name that ever since I've been involved at all in the sort of rural Instagram side of things has been someone I've been aware of. <clears throat> and that person is Holly Thompson, who's coming on today. Some of you may know of her uh, as the starter of the In the Country magazine, various other things. You've probably seen her on Instagram. But uh, Holly, would you like to say hello? Yeah, hi. Um, thank you so much for having me. I feel like a little bit of a fraud on this podcast because I'm not I'm not a farmer. Um, but I'm excited. I I've been out of the you know the industry and the kind of circle for what seems like forever. And I'm just very excited to have been invited on to talk about what I'm doing and what I've been up to. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A Plan Rural. Aplan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Not at all. It's an absolute pleasure. Looking forward, looking forward to the episode. Um, and you say you're not a farmer, uh, which is absolutely true. But you are busy. Uh, well, if you're if you're not, you make a very good job of making it look like you are. And I'm pretty certain the case is that you are. Um, just just for those for those listening, Holly, could you give us a bit a bit about your background? You know, what what was a young Holly doing? What was a young Holly wanting to do? Uh, a wee bit like that. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So I have. Ever since I can remember, I have been dead set on working with horses. That was 100% what I was going to do. My parents would try their hardest to kind of dissuade me from it. Um, it didn't really work. So I worked with horses, you know, ever since I left school in between college and things like that. And it, and it was just, you know, yard stuff to kind of just keep me going out a bit of pocket money. Um, but I think. I was talking to somebody recently and you know sort of saying how how did you get into the kind of the, the country life the country way of life and really I think and I'm sure it's for the same for a lot of people who aren't necessarily born into it when you're when you reach a certain age after school and college and university you know you can pick your social circle you can pick your hobbies and you can pick where you choose to spend your time and who you spend your time with and for me it was very much around the horses and then you know through the horses led into 
farming and and that lifestyle so my background's always been horses um my dad grew up on a farm in Scotland um <laughs> so Excellent. yep so that's kind of maybe is maybe a little bit in the blood the the love of it all but um yeah predominantly my my background is horses I spent seven months um in New Zealand working on a dairy farm so that's probably my <laughs> my real farming experience um and then since New Zealand I've as you say been busy <laughs> breaking <laughs> down walls well yeah and, and we'll get into that there's there's a lot to that side of things first off as um as the Scotsman I have to ask where in Scotland um it's a place called Netherly by Stonehaven near Aberdeen okay right okay yeah yeah oh, oh. embarrassingly I've never been north of Dundee Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, anything above that, I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> it was a really traditional, really you know, small little working farm. And then as my grandparents got older and couldn't manage it, and their children, like my uncles, um, they didn't want anything to do with farming. Um, so as they got older, you know, it kind of dwindled off, and they all went and had their had their own lives. But my dad's the only one that moved out of Scotland, so the rest of them are still up there. Very nice, very nice, and uh, you know that that sort of life lifestyle for 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 youngsters, in particular girls, I think it'd be fair to say, uh, horses is everything. Yeah, horses, horses, horses. Now, I'll be honest, right? I don't mean to blow my trumpet here, but I did actually ride a horse three times, oh. and uh, I, I, well, I slid off five. <laughs> I just could not get my feet in those things. Stirrups? No, nope, that's the yeah. wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, see, I know my stuff, and. Uh, Mum tells this story embarrassingly. So if you're watching, Mum, thank you for this and ruining my uh, social standing every time you tell me this when I tell my friends this when I was a youngster. I apparently was sat atop what I thought was like a Clydesdale, but was basically a pony uh, or, or maybe even smaller. Um, and uh, apparently I just looked as confident as you could, as I always did, and uh, basically just looked the same, probably minus the beard. And uh, <laughs> Mum just watched me sort of, <laughs> topple, topple over. This is, me, this is me going like this is not for me so uh, it was it was quite clear early on that the horses weren't for me but the reason i'm saying this is is, is so many people are into that side of things but don't don't pursue a career in it you know um you, you mentioned college was that related to was that equine based or was that really unrelated at all Initially, it wasn't. Initially, it was, um, sixth form because again, my parents were very kind of passionate about me trying to pursue something else which might then support me in having that as a hobby um rather than you know a, a complete and utter lifestyle because my mum would often say you know by the time I'm 50 I'm gonna have a hunchback and like skin like leather and just you know it yeah so um yeah initially it was sixth form and I really hated it I did one year so AS levels which should we have like a levels down here as yeah. levels um and so i did one year failed quite miserably and just turned around and said look no this is my my decision now i'm going to go and i'm going to go and do horses and i did a level three um city and guilds diploma in horse care and management um passed with distinction clearly my thing and um yeah and then ever since then it's just been working working with horses around that and building it up and then um now I run a livery yard and absolutely love it but definitely enjoy getting away whenever I can <laughs> I think no matter how much you enjoy whatever you're doing like I love my job but 
you know, it's the only Easter holidays and I'm quite looking forward to it. You know, <laughs> I think that's always the case and it? it's mm. got to be. <clears throat> um, I have a completely off the wall question that is nothing to do with food farming, rural life at all. The only thing I know about sick form is they mention it in in-betweeners. How does it work? So we don't have that up here. Is that like your sixth year at high school and uh, you then go to college or how does that go? Yeah, because I, I, I remember it's different in Scotland. And so, yeah, you finish school here at, I think, 16. Um, and then from there, you can go to college or you can go to sixth form. So you can just go to college and or, or you can go like apprenticeships and things like that. But sixth form is basically the, the 17 and 18. So your A-levels. So from your GCSEs, you do your AS level your A-level, I feel like I'm not qualified to uh, to explain this because I failed so miserably, but my understanding of it is, yeah, you do your AS level, then you do an A-level, um, or it was when I was at school, because that's a few years ago now, I think, I know that like GCSEs down here have changed to like a number system, which I think you have up there, do you? Yes, we only have numbers, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we used to have like A, B, C, D, E, it's not, it's numbers now. Um so yeah, that's how it works. Um, so your AS level is first and then you top it up with an A level to complete the whole A level. So I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been told a few times before we come on this, they're like, we spoke about something I really didn't expect. And I'm sure one of those was the qualification system in English schools. Uh, here, you never know what you're going to get on the R2 test. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, before we get into sort of like what, 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 uh, I guess a day in the life of Holly and, and a year in the life of Holly is at the minute. Tell us about, about New Zealand. A lot of people go to New Zealand. What 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 made that happen? Why why was New Zealand on the cards? <clears throat> I'll be honest, and I'm sure a lot of people are the same. New Zealand for me was a way to get away from here. Um, I had no idea really what I wanted to do. I obviously wanted to do horses, um, but financially that was always going to be quite tricky was never going to earn me that much and and I just didn't really know what I wanted to do and I think you know you can be a little naive and, and silly sometimes at sort of 18 so I just needed to get away and experience something different and kind of stand on my own two feet and I said at the time after but well, during and after that I really found myself when I was away because it was the first time I'd been away you know away from my family friends and I really had to kind of get on with it I flew out on my own for the first month um and it was absolutely life-changing I didn't intend to work on a dairy farm I didn't intend to get into dairy farming the job was um as a rider and looking after horses and, and effectively an au pair which I'd also never done but it was on a dairy farm and literally less than 48 hours after I arrived, I was in the shed doing like herd testing with the, the staff and it was an 80 bale rotary. And I think the, the herd was like 1800 cows on this one farm. And so that was my first experience of dairy farming um, in New Zealand. <laughs> that's, um, that's quite a baptism by fire. <laughs> yeah, so I've been told since then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 80 bales, pretty, pretty notable. <laughs> it was it was amazing though and the team were really really lovely but uh yeah I had no idea what to expect and I did genuinely fall in love with it I you know didn't take me long and I much preferred that over the horse riding out there um I then left that job to pursue dairy farming full-time um for the rest of my time out there so yeah I definitely fell in love with it so th that's probably the first time in your life that you've been like oh there's something 
aside horses. Uh, and and obviously, like you said, you left that job to go to go dairy farming entirely. Was at that stage where you like, oh, maybe dairy farming is what I want to pursue. Yes and no. Um, I definitely knew it's what I wanted to do out there. And when I actually came back, I looked into it here, but it's very different here. Um, yeah. From my understanding and my searching, the the attitude of people as well is very different. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different place, it's a different lifestyle, culture, everything. But um, dairy farming here was not the same as it was out mm. there, and I didn't want. I knew I wouldn't enjoy it quite the way that I had, so I kind of settled back into the horses to to figure out what I wanted to do. Again, it's very much more efficiency driven in New Zealand. Um, just without uh, without subsidy and that um, but yeah here quite quite interesting you know that, that was the thing horses 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 and then suddenly of all things milking cows was, was something yeah and I guess like my <laughs> take on it it was probably you know again a little bit naive less sort of farming perspective and more lifestyle perspective I yeah. you know, as much as I was very involved in the farm when I was working full time I wouldn't know the ins and outs of all the you know yields and things like that but I did know when I came back here that that the two were very different yeah and you mentioned lifestyle there Holly that's sort of well certainly sort of followed you for for a while it, it's sort of what you've based well your career whatever on is just lifestyle and and also selling that lifestyle from a journalistic perspective um so, so which we'll, we'll, we'll touch on in a minute you, you've came back from New Zealand when was that roughly I think that was 2015 <coughs> now if I yeah 20 2015 into 2016 I think 20... it feels so long ago doesn't it, it? feels so long ago <laughs> um, but I want to say 2015 it's I mean like I think I think we're pretty much the same age like I look back I started uni in 2014 and I'm like yeah, it's like five years ago. <laughs> it's yeah. ten. You know, like it's crazy, <laughs> absolutely crazy. <laughs> when did I just that don't know where it goes. Oh, it's terrifying. And do you know what's even more terrifying is the fact that you're saying that, and I say it as well. Like, I don't know where the time goes. I used to think only fifty-five-year-old uh, people said that. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know. when you like, I often have this conversation with my with my friends. Like when I was say seventeen. I would imagine me at my age completely different <laughs> like in a completely different place to, to how I am now or when I would look at 30 year olds I'd be like oh they've got their life together they know what they're doing couldn't be farther from it yeah late 20s basically retired you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um yeah it, it really does hit you fast uh, it's, it's quite insane how quick it does you've come back in 2015 16 whatever it was um what was next <clears throat> so that was my mum begging me to get a normal job um she, that that really was what happened she I had to I moved back home and she really really tried to persuade me to get a normal job just for a bit and I kind of you know I was moving back into into the family home so I was sort of you know I'll try it I'll have a look and I and I started looking and I just got no after no after no for office jobs. Um, and I, I was doing some freelance sort of riding along the side just, just to tick things over, but there was nothing coming in. And obviously it was a little bit worrying because you need money. Um, and I'd applied for a job at 
an equestrian magazine which I'd completely forgotten about because I was just getting so many no's and I was at another yard doing their work which I'd kind of given into and accepted that this was probably the, how it was going to look for the foreseeable and they called me and they invited me for an interview and I accepted and I went and I genuinely think the only reason that I got the job is because I was horsey and the, and the team was horsey and the nature of the job and the, and the ma- uh, magazine was equestrian but I had zero office experience I'd never worked in an office before so you know I'm forever grateful for them for giving me a chance um and I actually worked at that magazine and that publishers um for work experience at school so like around about um experience but yeah I was there for about six months as an ad sales assistant I did no writing I had no say in any of the design or or anything like that I was purely there to sell adverts so it was eye-opening um good experience but I'd didn't enjoy it that wasn't what I was going to be doing and kind of from there I just it, we would get competitors magazines in and I just felt that as someone that enjoyed you know all aspects of the country side and the country way of life you know shooting farming horses food cars everything fashion um nothing spoke completely to someone my age at the time and again I just couldn't find anything and kind of progressed in in my role and months went on and I just sort of thought well why can't I why can't I create something why can't I give it a go and um and then that led into me telling mum again that's uh, I'm I'm not gonna be doing that I'm gonna be doing this (laughs) it it sounds like that's been the 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 theme <laughs> I do, I do, I do feel sorry for them. Bless that they, they must have the patience. Of, <clears throat> I just do not know. I don't know how they put up with me. Well, <laughs> I I can't that's not the case. That's not the case. So, so like during school, you started done work experience at this place, and then now you're in. You're not involved in the journalism side, but you're you're in that game. You're seeing how it's working. You're seeing what happens. You, you're starting to think, why can't I create something? Is is a magazine what you're thinking or are you just thinking I just want to be creative I don't know how I want to create but I want to create something yeah so initially it was just to be creative um I started a blog which I started whilst I was working um and it was purely just me writing bits and bobs I, I remember actually writing an article that went viral um with all my friends who were farmers at the time and it was shared by I think New Zealand farming another fa- big Facebook farming group it's a massive account, yeah. it was like um something about something like <coughs> 10 or, or dating a farmer what it's like to date a farmer and it was just yeah. a bullet point um article but it went viral and at the time and for for essentially the whole way through my um magazine career I wrote under Pollyella, which is how a lot of people probably know me. Um, and so I'd written this under that. So no one knew it was me. And it was crazy. I was just getting tagged in it so many times. And I was like, oh, hi. But, I, you know, I was I was not embarrassed, but I'm quite a shy person. I've, I've kind of gotten better over the years. But definitely back then, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want anybody to know. Um, so, yeah, I'd started the blog and initially that was all I was going to be doing and it kind of picked up momentum and support and people agreed that there was 
nothing out there like what I was talking about. And then that's kind of where the idea blossomed from, really. And it's, it's funny you say that viral uh, thing there, because I don't know if you know Amy Wilkinson. Um, no, she's, um, oh, she's great. She's very funny. She, she writes for the Scottish farmer here and there. Uh, but okay. like, at the end of the day, she is a farmer. Like, she's a full-time farmer. Um, but I had her on the podcast, I don't know, probably about six months ago now, time flies, but um, I was aware of her for like two years because there was this post, and you might have seen it, that went out about Christmas time, I think it was the 17th, of just a gin, she's ginger, this, that, that might help because it sort of plays into the whole thing, uh, this ginger girl taking a selfie with like tons of carrots sitting behind her, you know, just in this massive pile, um, saying like these are wasted because they're wonky. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's Amy. And uh, she wasn't like a, she's a, she's Instagram now, she's a, a journalist, whatever, but she wasn't that at the time. And she was like, it was so surreal. Like I wasn't aiming for this and I wasn't really ready for it. And she was like, you know, if it was now, I would have probably capitalised on it and been like, whatever. But, but it's quite surreal when you don't mean it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I mean, I have, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't intend it. And, and in a way I was kind of protected by it because it was not my name. Um, and I, I, in honesty, for me, I don't think I'd have liked it um, at, at that point in time. Obviously, now I would be much more equipped to to deal with it. But a lot of people say, you know, who have gone viral, say that it's it's not quite what you expect it to be. There's a lot that comes with it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it was it was crazy. I mean, the funniest thing for me was just seeing people that I knew tagging each other. And thinking, oh, you know, how this is brilliant. Like this girl knows, or I think one of the funny ones was like, um, you know, oh, she, oh it was it just like, like, oh, uh, what was it like? Oh, I don't know. She'd be a keeper or something like that. And I was just like, <laughs> only if you knew. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. Um, that's you know, that's exactly what what Amy said. Her sister was like, "There's so many guys sharing this." Like, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what she said on the pod. Um, yeah, it's quite surreal. It's a really surreal idea. The whole idea of going viral, like, is is so normal to us. But twenty years ago, that just wasn't a thing. Like, it's quite. But I remember um, <clears throat> I put a post up about the price of wool, and uh, you know, it was it was like something like 800, uh, eight hundred, well, roughly give or take eight hundred kilos of of wool in the bags, and it was going to be eighty three quid. And I'd done all the math and all this and stuff. And it, it, it didn't go viral, viral, but it got out to about a million people. And uh, I remember sort of saying this to my dad, and he's like, a million? I'm like, yeah, like, it's big, but it's not, like, big, big. And he's like, that's that's huge. And I'm like, well, I guess it is. You know, it's it's, it's quite, it is, it is weird. Um, so you've got that first taste of going viral. You're not actually sure if you like it or not. Uh, you're, you're starting to write a wee bit here and there. Um when when did you start well you've already started thinking but when did it actually come about you were like right I am going to make this thing I don't know what it is yet it it became a magazine but when when did that happen um I it's tricky really I think I think it just naturally evolved I'm I'm quite an ambitious person and I I have a wild imagination that drives myself I drive myself insane with it and I think it literally just evolved from from what was a blog into what else can I do you know how can I make this bigger how can I make this better and and I'm very much you know a tangible person I love books I don't necessarily read them but I love having them um I've always liked magazines and so 
the idea just kind of evolved and and yeah I mean I, I was just like why not why can I not try it and I think because I was very it was very much the team were lovely the team were fantastic can't fault them at all but but we you know I was very much in the advertising department there was no scope for me to have any input in in anything else and I think that kind of limiting atmosphere maybe kind of drove that idea even more because I knew that I wouldn't get that opportunity um in that space and so yeah I mean looking back now it sounds awful that I don't remember exactly when that moment was but it ju it just kind of evolved and then it just it just snowballed really. Going from a blog which is something literally anyone can do that has an internet connection to then creating a magazine is because I'll be honest right there's <laughs> there is a there is a um, a file out there called oh it's something about like the R2K book or something like that like I started writing a book about just living on a farm right and it's just a word document with a brown background <laughs> like it's yeah. really like going to make that tangible thing is a massive step and that's considering making two you know you're actually trying to create a business out of this that that that's I guess the part I'm interested in you sort of created this blog which is great was it called in the country the blog or was it uh no the, no so the blog was called it's a country life which was a learning okay. curve because country life uh reached out when we applied for trademarking and weren't happy with it so okay. which was a weird situation because we'd obviously <clears throat> you know to what to me little old me they felt threatened enough to yeah, exactly. with, with what i was doing so anyway we we, ch we changed the name um so we actually published the first magazine as it's a country life um and then the second one we we changed the name we rebranded I, and just just tell us about that process go you know that that sort of right okay we're putting it out because i just can't i can't fathom how that happens just some person on their own who's not really into journalism that's went out and done this what, what was actually involved in starting that company starting the company was completely learning curve i i had to do everything i had to learn everything <coughs> Um, I was not, you know, I've always loved writing, but I'm, I'm anyone that knows me will know that I'm not great at organization, unlike you, or, you know, kind of pre planning. I'm, I'm very much a open book, which sometimes, you know, has a negative effect, but I knew I wanted to kind of bring people along on the journey with me because I felt like that was the best way to connect with people to kind of share my story and to build up that excitement and that community ar around what I was doing but in terms of putting it together I mean I knew I had to set up a business that was you know my, my dad was very much like well you got to do that so did that it's fairly easy um but in terms of putting the thing together I just set about google and I, I kind of, you know, there was a few ideas floating around. Obviously, Google, you know, how do you put a magazine together? Yeah. And, and there were there were different ideas. You know, a lot of some people said, you know, oh, you can do it on Word or you can do it on PowerPoint. And I just knew the kind of person that I am. I, I wanted to do it properly. And I knew that the magazine that I'd, I'd worked with, they didn't design it on Word. You know, they used InDesign, Adobe. 
so I started to kind of look into that and how I could use that and how I could learn how to use that and like countless YouTube tutorials later I started setting it up designing the pages using InDesign and I mean the first one is very boxy like it's very okay. simplistic yeah. Yeah. but um but yeah it was YouTube tutorials on InDesign I had a little little tablet that clipped into like a a keyboard and I was um living with my ex-partner at the time and we had a little um summer house that we lived in and so I was literally on the arm of the sofa with this tiny little tablet putting a magazine together and if I look back now and I try to do it now I couldn't I can't even imagine it no way <laughs> I love hearing those stories when someone's got quite a sophisticated thing and it's just where it started like it's yeah it's mad That's... like this is a you know an iMac and like two screens <clears throat> I, I can't imagine doing it on, on that tiny little thing now. Well, I've got three screens in the office, two screens here at home, and, like, I, the days that I'm working on my laptop, I'm like, but I don't have any space. Yeah, I couldn't design <laughs> on my laptop. There's no way. Not no. Now. And you started on the tablet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Where, where did you get your content? Um, A lot of it had been... Instagram so in the beginning obviously I had very little in terms of contacts um so I thought to myself you know what would I like to read what would I like to see and I've always used that as quite a benchmark throughout um but then it was very much reaching out to, to contacts and people who had engaged with me on Instagram and and creating stories and I knew that I wanted it to be relatable I wanted it to be real um you know I obviously had these big aspirations for celebrities down the line and things like that and known figures and but but I knew that wasn't now so yeah it was it was really just reaching out and trying to kind of connect people and, and bring bring people's stories together into this new publication that I had no idea whether would you know fly off really um and well yeah tell us what, what was next you know it obviously was successful um and yeah what did did something like how did you get I guess what, what sort of word I'm looking for here how do you find an audience in that did people come from the blog I can't imagine they did I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors Aplan Rural Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over and we'll give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. Yeah, so it was, I do. I did have, and I do have a, quite a domino effect story when it comes to what happened. Right. So the blog, I mean, honestly, I swear, my mum and a few friends would read it and a few people on Instagram, but there was hardly anything. And the 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 following on instagram you know as as you know like was slowly growing over a period of time very very slowly um with like the consistent posting and the hashtags and things like that but there was no strategy at that point it was just very much sharing what i liked sharing what was happening and hoping that you know people might engage it might resonate but the so the magazine i finished it i'd opened it for pre-orders and that was starting to pick up, but the first print run was 250. Um, so I use a printer in London uh, who I'd never 
met. I'd spoken to them on the phone and they were great. They were lovely, but lesson learned, always meet them and go and see them. Okay. <laughs> and so they, they, I supplied it as I was, in, you know, as I was told to, and it came back. And I remember being at Hickstead and I'd waited so long for them to come back as it's um, sort of horse show jumping event. And uh, so I was out for the day and my mum was at home and she called me, oh, the magazines have arrived. Do you want me to open them? I said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait till I get home. And I got home and I was so excited and I opened the box and I picked up the first one and the front cover looked incredible, just like I designed it. But inside all of the full color pages had a white, line along the bottom and I did my heart just sank because I knew I didn't design it that way I hadn't sent it off that way and I never intended it to be that way so I and people had waited by this point you know a couple of months for the thing to kind of actualize and I had this inner kind of fight with myself this inner battle as to whether I send them out as they are pretend nothing's happened or I go back to my printers, start that situation and, and effectively get it, get a, another print run. So the driving force that meant that I was going to do that because I was so stressing about people getting annoyed having waited for so long was that my old work were going to be looking and people that, you know, wanted to kind yeah. of criticize, they would be watching and they would get hold of it. And I knew that I was better than how it came out I had my skill even though it was self-taught was better than what that finished product had turned out as so I went back to them and they agreed that it was their mistake they hadn't set the bleed and the crop or something up properly they hadn't done it right so they actually sent me another 250 so I ended up with 500 so double what I'd ordered and I sent everybody's who had ordered the pre-orders I'd sent them out the, the the finished final perfect copies and they sold out so what happened was people who received their copies then posted that on Instagram tagged me which then meant that their followers saw it they then ordered and it literally was a domino effect so all of them sold out we then discounted the error copies all of them sold out <laughs> And it was just absolutely crazy. I mean, the following went from, I don't know, let's say a thousand to three thousand in like a week. Um, and then being a quarterly magazine as it was, it was nonstop. So I just had to carry on and it was on to the next one. And the way that I approach marketing now as a freelancer and now within any of the projects that I'm doing, it's always with storytelling in mind um, and kind of harnessing that power and that energy and creating the connection through telling the story. And that's all that I did. It's all that I did. And it just resonated and it grew and it grew, really. How many did you sell in your second release? Uh, the print run of that was a thousand. That's amazing. Yeah. So because we sold 500. <coughs> thousand and what, what did you peak at what was we it wasn't massive it never it never was massive we uh 2000 was the generalized print run um we explored shops and we explored 
stockists and when I say shops, I mean like um, WH Smith, supermarket. Sure, yeah. And then we explored like rural farm shops. We had some down where we were and they were great. They were really great. But in terms of logistics, as a one woman band, it was just impossible to make work alongside everything else. So, yeah, the general print run was 2000. But that, that you know, that's that's what, 8,000 a year? It's quarterly, did you say? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, two years before, I bet you never thought you'd have a business yeah. selling 8,000 units of anything, you know? Okay. You know but it's amazing. It's, uh, it's such a cool story. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I think it, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are trying their way in journalism in different ways. I mean, I guess I'm one, you know, and and, and, and posting stories in, in different forms, whether that's video, written, whatever. And I think you're, a, for anyone listening, you're sort of that perfect person to listen to and show that, you know, it can happen. It absolutely can. Um, unfortunately, the joyous COVID came around. Um, what did that mean? So for me, it was it was quite, a, quite an odd one. Um, for everybody it was, but from, from a business and personal perspective, it was quite a, I was, I was kind of at crossroads because... I could have carried on the magazine however it would have had to have changed um and I was adamant from the get-go when we decided and designed the first one that it would be perfect bound it would have this laminate glossy cover it would look and feel like a proper proper magazine and it was more expensive to do it that way but I knew that that's how I envisaged it and and that's how it was going to be. So I could have reduced that. I could have gone to a stapled magazine. I could have reduced the paper. I could have changed it. We could have, you know, removed lots of things, but I knew it wouldn't be in the country. And I was, again, I was quite adamant about that, rightly or wrongly. But then on the flip side, personally, I I mean when when COVID was three years ago so I was 20 Jesus yeah five um, three years ago about today at the time of filming last week was it 23rd of March so uh, 24 25 (coughs) and I had you know up until that point from from 21 which is when I launched the magazine I'd sacrificed a lot of personal things as so many people do when they're launching businesses and that's not you know to say that that's not what we should do but it's a matter of fact and you know so I was living at home or with partners at the time and you know I, I'd sacrifice savings and and renting a, a you know renting somewhere okay I had a horse but that was a non-negotiable he was never going be there. <laughs> yeah but other than that um so I kind of just reached a point as as COVID kind of reared its head for many that I couldn't do that anymore because I wasn't getting anywhere um and it I was exhausted probably (laughs) I probably had a little bit of you know burnout coming and I just advertising basically dried up overnight um a lot of brands had had you know budget saved for for the bigger publications, you know, like 50, 60, 100,000 circulation. And we just couldn't compete at that time. Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody, it was so uncertain for everyone and in so many industries. But 
I don't blame any of them um, for, for not choosing to advertise at that time because none of us knew what was going on. And so it just became impossible to carry on in the way that it should have been that it that you know what I mean that it that it that it was it well, the way had, you the way you wanted it to be yeah it would have had to have changed um and so yeah I I announced that it was going to stop printing um and I was very honest as I had been the whole way through I've always tried to be very transparent the whole way through with everybody and you know I explained the reasons why and people were sad I was sad um I've got you know I've got mugs here I've got magazines here I look at it every day I love it but it just couldn't continue mm -hmm. with everything um and then at the same time uh, I think it was the the lockdown the 21 lockdown uh the January 21 lockdown it was just the day after Christmas or something like that yeah it was something like that um I actually signed a contract for a rundown livery yard um so I'd seen it over the last couple of months and I had no intention at the time of starting a yard it was just I'd seen it I drove past it I knew the yard I grew up there as a child I kept my first pony there as a child and I lived <coughs> the house opposite it so it was a special yard to me and I hated seeing it so sad and run down and I reached out to the um who I remembered were the owners but turns out they weren't the owners anymore because they had died and posted a letter through a letterbox and I went back there on the weekend and like the guy who now lived in the house was there and he I said well I posted a letter in your letterbox you know well that's going to do no good it's been you know screwed shut for the last two years so he got his drill out and undid it and handed me my letter and told me where to take it um so yeah so I'd signed the contract I'd I'd kind of closed on this livery yard and and I had that to fall back on which again was not intentional but it it just happened um life has a funny way of, of doing things like that so <laughs> I very much had the had the kind of idea that I would continue the blogging continue the digital side of things and grow this livery yard um life didn't quite go that way and I kind of just stopped writing I can't explain the feeling but I just lost all love of it and maybe that's naive maybe that's slightly immature you know you might be like some people would be like I could get on with it but I can't explain it I'd done it for four and a half years and I think I was angry at everybody and everything for it not working and I didn't enjoy it anymore and I just couldn't write I couldn't sit I, you know if I sat myself down with a coffee and said right you're gonna write this piece you're gonna write this blog nothing would come and and if you're at that stage there's no point in continuing exactly. because it will be no. rubbish <laughs> yeah and, and you'll you'll turn yourself into what is quite clearly a sort of passionate and positive person into the opposite you know um, yeah and I, I really <clears throat> the last probably 18 months up until I'd say the last few months it had not been a, a positive motivated place I was not the Holly Ella that you would have seen on Instagram <laughs> with the magazine I was just I think the yard for me had been a distraction and a way of just kind of not thinking about the fact that it hadn't worked and I wasn't enjoying it um and I love the yard it's fantastic but writing and magazines and publishing is definitely 
my passion. So did, did you buy the yard or did you rent it? No, it's rented. It's rented. Yeah, that's, that's quite a big thing. <laughs> I've never rented anything in my life. <laughs> Um, that's a, yeah that's a big undertaking like. yeah so, it's uh six stables and 14 and a half acres and a school which was a grass field um yeah. which I then had to had to get put in but again weird situation I think the only way that I got that really was because I knew the yard I grew up on the yard and I remember the landlord and I, we had a walk around and it was funny. He was like, well, you, you probably know exactly where you're going. And he brought his, um, his daughter along with him. And I mean, she must be like 10 or 11. And I dug out a photo of me at like nine years old, standing on the yard with my pony. And I think, I think that maybe tipped the scales in my favour. You did that intentionally, didn't you? That yeah, was I did. <laughs> <laughs> Never read it before, but you knew how to feel something. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so is that, you're still managing that yeah that's yeah, still yeah. yeah brilliant and that's um, kind of learning curve as well in terms of like you know managing the soil and the grass growth and oh, all sorts it's been you know I've learned how to fix fences and just crazy and working with soil that horses is on is an added journey because it's, yeah. they, they, they don't they don't take easily to soil they make it disappear they... no I have to turn I have to turn my I just can't look sometimes yeah. when they're being silly I'm like oh my, my fields yeah I know exactly there's 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 one I, I do a lot of walking and there's like a raised road that looks right over a livery well it's not a livery yard it's a livery field and they clearly don't care about it like oh. it's just Oh, it's almost at the point of no, nah, it's not an issue for the horses, but it's like you're like, oh, I couldn't look at that field, like it's yeah. rotate it a wee bit, please. Um, so yeah, that's that's brilliant. So so how does that work? Do you do like is it like DIY livery or are you actually involved? What's happening there? So I'm fully involved, so <clears throat> I don't do any DIYs, um, and that that's two reasons. It's where the yard is situated is sort of down a private residential road so the conversations that we had at the beginning were you know we don't want to disturb the people mm. that live down the road any more than we need to and equally from a from a business point of view DIY is very hard to make money from whereas full livery and part livery which is what I do it, there's margins for profit really you know, it makes sense as a business that's why you're there yeah yeah um you've sort of you've called it on in the country magazine not an easy decision obviously uh but getting to stage that well it had to be the thing to do not even yeah, purely from a business perspective just it wasn't fun anymore um but now three years on still saying that i know we said it twice does not feel like three years ago three years on uh it could be said that we might be going back to that sort of thing maybe writing is coming back in do you want to tell yeah. us that bit? yeah so writing and my <laughs> I have not been able to let it go <laughs> um <laughs> I you know I just absolutely adore it and I've fought with myself for ways to make it work over the years and ultimately you know we I've come to the decision with a lady that um I'm partnering with that effectively in the country can't and shouldn't come back um it's had its time it's had its place and it 
did amazing things. I've grown hugely as a person. It was my identity, effectively part of my identity for, for four and a half years. But it's time for something new. Um, and I'm really excited about that because I'm I'm loving writing again. I'm loving the space again. I'm loving being involved, you know, within the media and journalism and publishing again. And yes, the idea is that there will be a new publication um, and a new brand this year is the plan. Similar content in the country or no? Similar in terms of the kind of, like you say, the content is similar, mm-hmm. um, the direction similar, but the way that I've tried to look at it and I'm telling myself, because we don't, we're not 100% set on a name yet, which we sort of briefly spoke about, but um, it's kind of like in the country's big sister is how I'm choosing to look at it. So it feels like a natural evolution for, for me and for the publication. I think this new publication and the voice that we're bringing with it, it has evolved, it has grown, as have I. And so an entirely new publication and title and brand is kind of the, the best way forward, I think. I like the way you put, you put that um, in the country, it's done and it, it was a great time, and it, but it's time for a new thing. What I will say is it'll take you some time to shake the, oh, there's the country one. Because if someone mentions Holly, there's a few people in the sort of Instagram places but in the countries the way you're described I would certainly think yeah and I have I have to I've changed my Instagram handle I'm actually going to be changing it again um and for a long time it was actually in the country insta and I would have so many people come up to me at, at shows and be like oh you're in the country insta you're in the country and yeah like you say I think it will take a long time and you know I never want to kind of shut the door on it completely because it's it was such a massive part yeah. of my life but it's we can set it down now whereas even a year ago I would never have said that I would never ever have even entertained the idea of a new magazine it would only have been to kind of revive that whereas now I know that that's not the right thing to do well I mean I'm having a similar battle currently because R2K, Rural to Kitchen, whatever you want to call it, started on the 12th of April, just after lockdown. That's when it began. And it had, I had an Instagram page with the same name since 2017, but it had like eight posts on it. Like it was hardly flying, like seven followers, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it's given me so many opportunities. It got me a job as a lecturer. It, it, um, I, got, I get a lot of opportunities at the minute. Like I'm going to be in a, a, a motorway billboard edinburgh like you know so many random things yeah, yeah yeah like in the next couple of weeks i don't even know if i'm supposed to have said that phrase or if you're listening i apologize for bringing that up too early um just so many random opportunities getting to meet so many cool folk you know yourself being one obviously and and but it just it's not it totally is me everything i've done is r2k i wear a band on it i've got whatever but like i want it to be my name yeah i, I want to be wallace now I want to be Holly. I want, you know, I want to be. Yeah, I was literally just having a conversation with a with a freelance client about this the other day, and she was saying, "Oh, well, do I? I'm thinking of different names." She's a coach, uh, different names for for the business, and 
ultimately and I, I don't know about you but I the reason I didn't have it as my name for a long time was because I didn't feel confident enough I maybe didn't feel like I could put my name to it whereas now you know five years down the line I feel very confident that I kind of I'm experienced enough or I, I don't know what it is I just feel like I'm comfortable with it being my name now whereas I never was before yeah that's a good point I mean it's quite interesting like, I mean I'm really interested in social media like I'm looking at doing a PhD and like I just love it yeah like I'm a nerd for it like total nerd for it I was speaking to someone recently who's just got a job in social media marketing and they're really good at it but I was saying some stuff and they're like how do you know all this stuff I'm just really interested in it but all YouTubers that started like when it was when you were still like a YouTuber, you weren't, you know, it was you yeah. know it was a weird a weird thing to do at the time. They've all got daft names, yeah. And the tip they give everyone is name your YouTube channel Wallace Curry, Holly Thompson, whatever. And I'm like, am I just gonna end up doing it? And then I'm like, but what do I call it? I just call it Wallace. Like, what, what am I gonna call this? Like, it's so it's like a proper battle. Like, you're just Holly. Um, yeah, yeah, really currently. Like, I am. Um, and funnily enough, you are the first person to refer to me in an interview sense as Holly Thompson. Um, so thank you. <laughs> well, it's here. It's who you are. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my Instagram currently is, is just Holly because again, at the time when I changed that, which was when the magazine stopped, I still wasn't quite comfortable with yeah. it. Um, but now I definitely am. And, and from you know, this new publication, and I'm sure with what you're doing, you know, longevity of the business and the brand, that's a key thing that you have to think about. And I'm going to be Holly Thompson for the whole of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, social media, like you say, is a really strange, but interesting thing. And, you know, it's, it's constantly evolving. And, we've grown up with it really in terms of our kind of adulthood we've grown mm -hmm. up with it we had our childhood without it but but adulthood we've grown up with it um and I find it I just find it a really interesting space like you say that we're going to live on it for for a long long period of time so we have to consider how we project ourselves on there and that really is a kind of reason why I want to change mine now um but I guess similar to you like I'm gonna have multiple uh mm -hmm. accounts so my current one just Holly which has the kind of significant number of followers which were grown from in the country will stay as me whereas this new brand will have a new account with you know minimal followers which will hopefully grow but again as I'm sure you're aware you know having a smaller account with less followers can actually be more influential in some ways than a larger account with more followers to, uh, well everyone goes down the two account thing now don't they mm. I, I from a I think you mentioned a quite organized perspective I hate it like, <laughs> no why can't I consolidate everything in one place um and I was like a, I actually have a question actually to ask on the sort of social media side engagement side you mentioned earlier sort of about consistent posting prolific posting and hashtags now from i said i started on the 12th of april from the 12th of april 2020 until the 7th of january this year i didn't miss one weekday posting wow yeah and the only reason i stopped 
I didn't stop. I still post probably about six or seven times a week, but every single day, I never post one. Apart from I posted one thing and my mum got angry at me, told me to take it down. Uh, <laughs> that was the only time it was missed. Like I, I built my thing on sort of this prolific content creation. Probably the, the reason I changed was I was like, I don't think all of this is good. I think I'm now in this rut where I'm like, yeah. I have to post and it doesn't actually mean anything. And now I'm, po- I mean, my, my account has went from, be- like I was a chef, has went from being sort of like food-based where, where I still try and do that. But um, my, my diet is now very boring and that I'm very sort of gym-based and only really drink out of, uh, drink, drink smoothies and stuff. So it's kind of boring. Oh, way better than me. I love <laughs> Well, that's a good thing, though. Trust me, it's so much work. People don't like to look at a pink smoothie. <laughs> they want to look no. at Alfrezi or something. And then you sort of transition. But the, the, I guess the question I'm going to ask is, as you mentioned about hashtags, and hashtags is one thing I have never done. Like, is it is it a massive change? It's just, I can't be bothered. Like, it's such an annoying thing. <clears throat> I probably have a slightly unconventional way of using social media. And I say it to my freelancers and my friends is that as much as Instagram (coughs) and encourages you to post every single day, which they've recently changed from, you know, changed the focus from reels to static posts every single day is apparently what's going to favor your content. They keep changing. Like it was reels for like a year. And then but people don't want reels on Instagram. That's, that's the thing. Um, Yeah. They want it to go back to how it was. Um, back to its roots and, and be that lovely kind of portfolio space but it's not realistic especially as busy people you know people who work outside you know often we're working with our hands we're not just sat <coughs> at desks all the time so it's just unrealistic and I have always you know I've, I've been told off so many times for not posting that or not sharing that I was here and blah 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 but I'm enjoying the moment was always yeah. my my kind of excuse but I guess what I'm trying to say is hashtags are great I do think they are great however my largest engagement spikes that I have had have come after a few days off a week off of posting and it kind of has shown me that you know you don't need to post it you know I it's great if you do for for building and I've my my account's kind of stagnated for probably two years now um but it's more about the community that you're nurturing I think if you're nurturing that community and you're engaging yourself and kind of showing up as a real person then you're gonna have success on the platform I try really hard not to let myself get too sucked into the algorithms this that you know you must do this you must do that and because otherwise it's gonna detract from detract and distract from my life um and the way that I want to live my life which is outdoors with animals and kind of appreciating what's around me and then when I'm tired after the end of a long day, I just want to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> just want to chill out. I and I used to, you know, when I first started, the first couple of years, I was religiously every probably every weekday I was on Twitter doing the the hours, you know, the hashtag hours, and I, you know, that probably helped me get recognised as a 
um, Small Business Sunday winner by Theo Pifitis because I consistently showed up and did that. But my approach to Instagram is very different nowadays. And rightly or wrongly, I don't really know. But I do think the key is to just not let your don't let it rule your life. Yeah. Because, and I often see like so many small business owners or aspiring entrepreneurs, like they're so kind of desperate to succeed on the platforms that they've done so much research and so much looking into it. And it's kind of you can tell it's stressing them out because they feel they need to be performing on there that actually they're probably better off using that energy on growing their physical business or doing things within their business rather than just social media. And it, just quickly, what I heard, I think you caught it for a second. What did you say about Theopathitis? Oh, um, so I did, I won, um, he runs a small business Sunday awards. Right. Um, and originally they were just run on Twitter but I've been told recently that they're also on Instagram. Sorry, my puppy's making a noise. <laughs> oh my God, he's in there. Oh, he's been yeah. so quiet. He's, he's very chair. good. Yeah. Uh, but yes, no, so sorry. I won, um, so X Dragon's Den Theopathetis runs a competition weekly to yeah. recognise small businesses. And years ago, I won, I was chosen as a winner um, amongst lots of other people. And it allows you to go to a yearly uh, like conference awards, winners conference, and kind of just be part of this winners community. Um, but that was through Twitter every yeah. single week, showing up on the hour and engaging with other people. And yeah, so again, I'm probably kind of, what's the word, contradicting myself a little bit, but I just <laughs> yeah. think changes over time and plus that's absolute play down of the century oh yeah just uh, just won that and, yeah. no, but it's true it's true and I guess I, I my biggest thing is don't let it rule you because I have reached where I am organically I mean I've probably done like five paid ads um, and they've been for you know product sales not exposure not yeah, yeah, yeah. growing the profile or anything like that um, purely organically and um, or telling from telling that story and bringing people along on that journey with me that I haven't I haven't posted every day there's been weeks when I haven't posted I mean especially over the last few years but then again it hasn't gone anywhere in the last few years but I don't (laughs) I don't want it to um you know there might be a little bit more strategy when I'm launching this new uh account but I just think I would I just wish people would not not let it not get too sucked into it really I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. I think when I, when I interviewed Ollie Bloggs, who you may or may not know, um, he was R2Cast 89 just a few weeks ago, he said one thing that was so true because we, we we did it live on Instagram. <clears throat> Someone had said, um, what's your tips for getting into YouTube? Because he's a big YouTuber. And uh, he was like, get into YouTube because you enjoy it. Don't get into YouTube to make money. You can make a ridiculous amount of money, but do not make that the reason because to make that money, you have to be insanely consistent. And to do that, you need to enjoy it. And 
I have never heard anything so true. Like I am addicted to this. I am, I think personally healthily addicted, but just about everyone that speaks to me thinks unhealthily addicted. Like my screen time this week was 15 hours a day, right? I, I'm, so I sleep for about two hours a night, right? But, um, you know, so I'll, I'll go, we'll finish this recording. What time are we at? About, about eight o'clock. I'll probably go to the gym um, and then I'll probably go a half marathon. And on that half marathon, I'll just do all this stuff. I'll edit this video. It'll be uploaded tonight. Like, I love it. I absolutely love doing this stuff. But if you don't have that, you, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. Yeah, you can't do it. Um, and I definitely, in the early days, like, you know, I was, I think it, yeah. part of the reason me and my ex broke up was uh, probably because I had <laughs> zero attention and I was so, so busy on this, but on, on the magazine. But you, you had, like you say, you have to enjoy it. Yeah. And if you, and and again, another reason I couldn't write, I just could not sit down and do it because yeah. I no longer enjoyed it. Whereas now, <laughs> with this new like project, this new brand, everything, I'm so excited. We have WhatsApp messages pinging all all hours of the day, and it's just it's exciting. I love it. I've missed it, and I know it's what I want to do. But again, unless you have that feeling, you kind of you can't force it because it 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 will show and equally it will impact you mentally and physically. And I think listening to you, I think, I think we are quite similar in this sense, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm perfectly aware that if I do get to the stage that I just don't enjoy it, I'm going to stop. Yeah. I can't see it, but also what I need to do is not do the same thing. Like this podcast has changed over the years. It, it was fortnightly, then weekly, then six every four weeks. And then, I'm not going to save what you and I spoke about off camera because I haven't told anyone yet, but there's there's another change coming. Like it, it's it's consistently been updated. I couldn't just do the exact same thing. I've always got to try something new, try something new, and still keeping on that sort of similar path, you know. Um but yeah, it's 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 got it's gotta be good. Like it's it's gotta be. And uh, I I really took on board what Ollie said. Like, you know, if you're not that was Ollie, not Holly. If you're not loving it, it's it's not gonna continue. No, and I, know, I think that's <clears throat> like you know a kind of I often have I look at it sometimes as like the kind of plague of being a, an entrepreneur is that you constantly want things to develop you want to evolve mm-hmm. things you want to change things and you want to get to that next stage and um I listen to Stephen Bartlett quite a lot and he yeah, shared yeah. something recently about um you know wanting to get to that next stage but it's not it shouldn't all be about that you know you you kind of need to it's a weird one it's a really weird one entrepreneurs are strange (laughs) I think I think I know what you're saying and it was when I started so I'm I'm about four stone down right I I used to be huge (laughs) I think most folk would probably still say I am you know turn up to play you think I'm the ball you know oh thank you um (laughs) but uh like over since August time, I've really started looking at nutrition, understanding all that sort of thing. And one of my mates who's a PT gave me some some tips, and that was really much appreciated. But one thing he said, and it's it's been massive for me, and I've heard it a million times, it's just never resonated. Was like, don't focus on the outcome, focus on enjoying the process. And it is so true. Like, so it's insane that it's oh, it's exactly what I just said about that YouTube thing. It's the same thing. And, and listening to folk like Stephen Bartlett and stuff like that, it's quite cool to, to look into their mind. And, and it's, it's interesting you say entrepreneur because that's what you are. Like, yeah. I, I'm not that. I don't have that. Like, I have an extremely stable job, a job that I know I'm relatively good at and I know what I will progress in and it's good money. 
like this is a this is a, pl- a privilege yeah but to be in your position where so much is based on what you're doing that that's got to add more to it as well like and and you're like more than i just need to enjoy this because i keep going if i stop tomorrow oh well but if you stop you know you're losing such a massive part and that goes from the magazine perspective from from the livery perspective as well because as your as your income from what's going to be this magazine and livery there's no um, yeah so well <coughs> so the yard predominantly um yeah. and freelancing um yeah. i'm again you know five years older the way that i look at this new project is that you know it's it's in the country we're <coughs> needed to you know I, I needed to live off of that as well and I didn't have the yard then and so this new project you know it it need it's a project it's going to be a business but it's a project and it needs to have its own lifeline so for me the freelancing and the yard is is my income so that I can put everything that I have into this project yes was yeah. not the case before um, and you say you're not an entrepreneur. I, I would say that you are. If you're, oh, I'm not. I, th- I would totally disagree. Do you really? Well, on what basis am I an entrepreneur? Because you started, you started a podcast, which is obviously earning you money. I'd say that's entrepreneurial. I feel like entrepreneurial is. I feel like there's more weight to it. I feel like it's it's um. <laughs> it's about to get deep, isn't it? I feel like. <laughs> to be an entrepreneur you have to like if my podcast disappears i'd be gutted but i'd be fine yeah yeah you know like cost of living crisis isn't gonna hit me that hard like i'll be fine but mm-hmm. i feel like that's a massive part of entrepreneurial i think owning a business that is or, or businesses you know uh, that without them you can't continue i feel like that's a massive part of that but maybe i'm looking into it wrong no um, I, I do actually i do <laughs> kind of agree and and also you know I guess knowing that you like I would really struggle to work for someone else now I think I'm so driven the way that I work is so kind of on my own time and I'm my I answer to myself and obviously this this lady who's partnering with me but but generally it's it's I answer to myself and actually I think perhaps we have maybe a different attitude or approach yeah. to work maybe there's there's two sides to that I wouldn't want to work for someone you know I, I wouldn't like to work for a quote-unquote business a university is a business but like my job is I am absolutely not my own boss I have a boss but it's like you know I do my job I, I create the content on my own I teach yeah. it on my own you know, I don't have a boss in there with me. I don't do anything like that. You know, apart from meetings and sort of helping each other through things, he's more of a friend, yeah? So I don't see... The people I see I'm working for as the students, and that that is just a, a pleasure that I would never want to lose. Like I say, you know, that in itself is amazing. Could I work for a company like the job you were doing there before, apart from the fact it's almost competition to you now obviously it's different but uh, like I worked for Enterprise Rent a Car before because you know that's what every agricultural graduate does could I work for that sort of company absolutely not they're a horrible company um, and I probably shouldn't say that out loud but here we are <laughs> yeah I couldn't um I, I agree with that I, yeah I, I, I guess I get what you're, your job is meaningful you'll provide you you have a purpose and what you're doing <laughs> is meaningful to people whereas 
yeah and I guess that's subjective but I would I get what you're saying though I would struggle if it was like some sort of you know life-changing horse charity horse organization then I could probably do it yeah but I would still struggle to be told what to do (laughs) that's the thing though I don't really think I'm ever told what to do yeah okay you're guided yeah you're like oh whatever but and John if you're listening to this and you just think I don't do what you're saying I apologize but um yeah I feel like yeah it's just you're you're sort of guided but it's totally what you want to do because at the end of the day you're the person standing in front of someone for three hours no one can tell you how to do that I can't tell you how to do that you can tell me because we do it differently um so that's here we're talking about something (laughs) um sorry uh yeah, you, you, here, we've, we've went sort of round the career and whatever they're holding. But what, one thing that I probably should have asked more about is your passion throughout this as horses. Yeah, journalism has came in and, and has played a big part in it. It's, it's, it's you now, yeah, but um, horses in general is where it kicked off and horses are still involved. So tell us, tell us a bit about your, your life with horses at the minute, even away from the livery yard. You're competing, you mentioned... Um, how much involvement do you have in horses on a recreational basis these days so horses is every single day yeah, <laughs> um, <it> is, <laughs> every day. um and you know it's, it's a massive commitment it's a massive responsibility but i genuinely don't think i could imagine my life without them don't get me wrong i would love i love a break i'm actually going on holiday for the first time in over five years um abroad so it's the first time I've left my yard to to go to another country and in five years well since I've had the yard but abroad for a long time and I cannot wait but I guarantee halfway through I will want to come back (laughs) Um, and I'm actually going away this weekend to just get away and that's lovely but I will enjoy being back on Monday um and I I you know I'm I'm not someone who's competed I don't because one, I've never been in a position, my family has never been in a position to to financially afford it. I've got two sisters as well who are not interested in horses. So balancing my passion, which was time consuming and expensive, was always, you know, a juggle growing up. And so I could only have so much of it, understandably. And then, you know, into adulthood, when it's my own money, it's... I. I can't afford it and I'm you know I've that's not why I love horses I'm not really a competitive person by nature I just love being around them taking care of them um and just I just I find them absolutely beautiful breathtaking creatures that are generally calming but when they are annoying (laughs) and they're on one my god do they know how to wind you up but yeah you know I love going out for four hours you know of a summer evening or a weekend on my horse and it's it's just absolutely there's nothing else like it but but I'm very lucky with my horse he's he's I've had him since he was three I've broken him in myself um he was turned away when I went to New Zealand to kind of mature and grow up a little bit after being broken in and since I've come back I've obviously you know been on this entrepreneurial journey building things pivoting all the time and he's been picked up and put down a fair amount of times in terms of work and he's just so good you know he's a he's a kind-natured horse in that in that sense that he he doesn't need work six days a week um 
he's quite he lives out he's quite happy I mean I've got six stables but he lives out he doesn't have a stable (laughs) Um, but yeah for me horses are they're just a part of my life they're a part of me and you know riding them is a is a bonus but that's not why I do it yeah having that sort of emotional constant is is important throughout like what you would you class your horse as a pet yeah, I don't know. I mean, he is. He ultimately sure. is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But is he a pet? I don't know what else you would say. But... He, well, he's kind of like, he, again, he's, <laughs> like you just said, he's, he's a constant in my life. You know, I kind of, I feel like I just fund his existence. <laughs> I couldn't imagine him not being there. But I don't know if I maybe have quite a as conventional idea of, of horse ownership as some people mm-hmm. um, you know he's not overly spoiled he doesn't get matchy matchy sets of this and that and the latest rugs he does not he's a horse um you know he wants for nothing just clearing yeah. that up but but he's not you know I don't spe- I don't spend every penny on him um but he's part of my life and I would never the, the truth is the, the horse doesn't care what color it's whatever it is you know, um, um, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's an interesting question. I've asked a few folk that um, about horses. Do they class it as a pet? And and I don't really know what the other answer might be. I was like, going to say, I'm, what do they say? Well, I don't think you really fully gave a, a word. <laughs> you said, um, "I don't know." Uh, yeah, I guess he's a constant. But like, I'm well, guessing he, you class your puppy a as a my puppy is a pet. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I, pets are a really interesting word to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Have pet. Uh, you don't have pets. No, nah, and, and, and it's purely, I've had, I've had partners in the past that think it's because I don't like animals. I absolutely adore animals. The issue is I think people have pets when they don't do them justice. And I know I am away from here all the time. And I know I wouldn't do a pet justice. You know, one one of my dreams is to is to, you know we my my family own a pretty big farm and and going home to that is is what I'll be doing next week for lambing time and 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 if you do follow me on TikTok I don't know have a look uh, I have trained my cat to jump up like I just a cats are my thing I love cats. oh you'd love my cat then I've I just love cat. <laughs> every single one of them um, I've got quite a few followers on Snapchat that I. Uh, <laughs> so as I said I walk a lot and because I do it at night like there's cats out and I've met like five or six cats that I genuinely know <laughs> just great friends of these I've done, people are I'm going to get put in an asylum one day if I get caught <laughs> uh, yeah I absolutely love cats but uh, um, I think you need to sort of be able to offer them the right life and you obviously are with yeah with your, no I agree with... I do agree with that in terms of offering them the right life and Nelly I got her she's 10 months old I got her last year and I got her when I really needed yes yeah I mean she's not a person but I needed something that was going to get me out the house all the time you know have my attention have my affection and just keep me again keep me constant because I love dogs more than horses I love dogs and I hadn't been able to have one of my own and I you know I just I needed one last year I had a really awful year and so she's she's come into my life and I would definitely class her as a pet but equally I would not have got her if I didn't have my yard and I was just living at home yeah 
sure. she has you know she runs around all day <coughs> that life and she comes to Wales with me and goes on walks and things like that and and Simba my horse and Pumba the cat you know he just roams he roams the the yard and he loves it and he just has the best life and and Simba's the same but you know if I couldn't afford him and give him the life that he needed <laughs> my dad my dad's listening to this he'll be like and go on um but no, because <laughs> can actually, you afford it holy well I was gonna it? say <laughs> I would make sure that I could afford him yeah you sure. know that's it wouldn't be a question because he is part of my life um, I'll start another magazine <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So, I'll start this and I'll start that just to keep the horse but um yeah I mean if he was suffering because I couldn't afford it I would sure. ensure that I could I'd go and make I'm, sure I could I'm about to ask you a question given the name of your horse and cat is going to offend you um so I've never seen Lion King um I know they're out of that uh is Nelly a thing in the Lion King? No. Okay. no Nelly's not. Um, <coughs> she was going to be called Nala out of the Lion King, but we had a horse at the yard called Nala and I couldn't do that. Okay. Um, the idea is to get another cat at some point and call it Timon. I've never heard, I'm guessing that's in the Lion King. Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, I've just said. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Timon and Pumbaa are like the little duo. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's the plan. Um isn't that what Farmer Will, the guy who is in Love Island's pigs, are called? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I think they are. Really my idea then. I am put. Po- so I don't remember. I'm positive. I, I I love the 2018 Love Island. Like I didn't miss one. Right? Is that the one with Chris and Cam? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Me too. Why does everyone it. watch it? Why did oh, I love that one? What happened in 2018 that made everyone watch it? <laughs> um, what's his name? Farmer Will. It's because he's just came out of the. It's in a jungle. It's not a jungle. Uh, yes, with with uh, Jesse. I literally saw a TikTok earlier of the two of them. I think with with the pigs. Did you did you do you watch Love Island? No, I haven't watched it since the 2018 one. Right, where are we? I think this is the video. Um, that's a lamb. No, it's well crawling through the. Oh yeah, maybe it was a lamb. Uh, oh, is it lambs? Is it? He falls down into this the bed. Do you know, have you ever seen the tweenies? Yes. Will sounds like, yeah, the pigs, Timon and Pumbaa. Will sounds like the one with the, the tall hair. Oh, I wouldn't even know. Was it Max? Jack? Oh. I'm hopefully getting Will on the podcast. I want to say this to him. The pigs. Wait. And what Jesse's got to do is basically feed the pigs. And the pigs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly that. Yeah, I have, have, to tell whole, have you seen the comment section? It's saying no, that he should become a, a CBB's presenter because he's got that presenting voice all he of does, a sudden. Yeah. He does, yeah. And Jesse's going to eat the lambs. Yeah, he's <laughs> a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here, I don't watch Love Island, but I find it quite entertaining. Um, no, here, uh, Holly, it's been great to chat. Um, I, as I said at the start, these things normally fly by. I don't know if you'll believe this or not, but we have currently been speaking for over an hour and 20 minutes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> Not at all. You know, that's brilliant. And I apologise. I don't edit it at all. Um, well, edit it. I'll take the bits at the start out when I'm like, just so you know, I'm going to say welcome back. But uh, up until up until then, um, there is two questions I ask everyone at the start. Nope, this is the end. 
at the end of uh, of every podcast. And it's one is where do you see yourself in five years, and two is if and this is a good question because you've done a lot of things. Um, if you had any tips or advice for folk coming into industry, so let's look at journalism. Let's look at everything you've done. Um, what would they be? <clears throat> Which one do I do first? Oh, you choose. That's exciting. <laughs> um, okay, I'll do, I'll do the second one first. So advice. My advice uh, would be to, without sounding cliche, believe in yourself. But when I say believe in yourself, go for it. Um, I made a lot of my connections from reaching out and asking people and putting myself in front of people, suggesting my ideas and putting my work out there and believing, I guess, in my abilities. That would be my advice. If you if you wanted to get into journalism, for example, write, put it out there and, and reach out to people that, that may be able to help you on that. <coughs> and off the back of that, be kind to everybody you know I was talking to I was interviewing somebody else the other day and you know her we were talking about giving giving people advice and and helping people and we both said that during our our journeys we've faced some not very nice you know experiences with perhaps older people who are established within the industry and I think being nice to anyone that you can and helping them along the journey with you is so so important because we're all trying to get to the same place we all want happiness and we all want you know to just enjoy life and you're not going to get there if you're nasty to people or you're knocking people down or ignoring people you know it's it's yeah and where do I see myself in five years um hopefully five years down the line with this new brand this new title this new publication but I think for me I want to and whether this is kind of like a podcasty response I'm not sure I want to kind of carve out my own space um because <laughs> I've sacrificed that for for a good few years now and I'm I'm ready to kind of establish myself um in terms of you know somewhere to live and just a bit more stability in my life which I've really been trying to work on in terms of routine and structure um and definitely going back to New Zealand because that is so important to me and yeah I really really I'd like to go there like once a year once every other year if I could but um prioritizing that for me is is important so if I where do I see myself in five years um hopefully just happy happy and kind of settled as much as settled can be because I don't really it was fully settled boring wasn't it yeah <laughs> fully settled boring don't get me wrong but just like yeah I know less craziness <laughs> yeah and I love when folks say like happy or, or doing something similar to what they're doing because because that's good uh, but the the settled's an interesting one I like the idea of settled but then I stop for eight minutes and I go crazy <laughs> So when I say settled, I guess I'm saying settled and I'm envisioning settled, but I don't quite know what settled looks like. Um, so maybe maybe happy is a better Good one. Yeah. explanation. And when, when you say about getting your own space, do you mean like getting a house, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might take me five years because of the current situation of everything. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what's funny? Like, I mean, 
I, I don't mean to make you feel bad or whatever, but I managed to get my flat on an interest rate of one point five eight percent. But you let's see, you live in Scotland, and you've just said you live on an island. No, so. no, no. I don't. I I've bought not on an island. Um, oh, okay, but still if, I was, if I was to buy, yeah, yeah, just right on the border. But yeah, if I was to buy on the island I'm from, it would probably cost me about five times more. Well, so, I live in one of the most expensive places in the UK, apparently. Apparently, there was an article in one of the latest mag- re- local magazines that said Chichester is the best place to live. And I couldn't help. If you have a million pounds. <laughs> yeah, why? How is it the best place to live? Definitely not for like 20 to 30 year olds. Absolutely not. <laughs> why don't you just sacrifice the income of one stable and renovate it? I've had this idea. I've told my dad this and he said I'm absolutely crazy and I should just get back that to reality. Like- Crazy I, don't. I think it's a great idea, but no, yeah. he didn't agree. And here, Instagram followers would fly watching a stable renovation. <laughs> I'd work on it. That's another uh, one time I've gone viral is that TikTok about the yard transformation. Yeah. But I, I like the stable idea. Wait a minute. Was that on TikTok? Yeah. No. I think I saw that, but I didn't know it was you. <laughs> what was, what, what's your name on TikTok? Is it? Oh, I think it's... Uh, in the country maybe still in the country you can't uh, change oh, it i'd only just I, hang on oh no just holly that is just yeah um that must be really annoying when you're explaining that to folk and they just write holly yeah it, i mean that's again <laughs> another reason why it just needs to be changed because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of impractical now oh first. 103 000 views wow jeez yeah, I've liked it, I've liked it, I've liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, I don't know where, what I was saying then, but, um, yeah. <laughs> no, brilliant. Here, no, Holly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, as I said, I've been a follower for, I generally don't know, but since before R2K was a thing, so before 2020, uh, I have been a follower. Uh, my ex was a massive fan, and... Um, <laughs> I just came across it and uh, yeah, so been following for some time. Very much one of those meeting the celebrities moment for me. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. It's, really no, it's been fun. lovely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Not at all. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. We have spoke for well an hour and a half. Um, it does sort of, it does sort of fly, but it's kind of weird actually. Sometimes, like you know, when I, when I started this podcast, I, I like write the time time down every time we kicked off at, and uh, I'm like. Like trying to get the first 20 minutes like oh what is going to happen and uh now i'm just like i know it's going to be a duration of time like, <laughs> i look down and i'm like oh so we spoke for 300 days you know it just flies by <laughs> no absolute pleasure having you on thank you so much it's been great uh as i said for those of you listening um last week we had henry bung on talking about fungum farms a community farm in cameroon so that now takes us to four continents that we've, we've recorded with. So we've recorded in Canada and the States, we've recorded in, in the UK, obviously, so Europe and Iceland and France. Uh, in Africa, we've done Cameroon, Zimbabwe, there's one more, that's terrible. Rwanda, yeah, we spoke to the food and farming lead for Rwanda and policy, yeah, quite a random on that. Um, and now we've done Australia and New Zealand, so we've really got to tick off South America and Asia. So if you know of any English speaking people there, because I am rubbish at speaking other languages, um, that would be excellent. And I don't think we're going to find many folk in Antarctica. Try and get some more stories there. Next week, as I said, we had Torf, well, we'll have Torf and Armstrong 
talking about if there's any free money sitting around in your business that could go into some R&D uh, or you could just try and get some some extra money. Uh, I'm not going to say all the fancy words because I don't really know how it works. Torf will explain it much better than I will. That will be episode number 95, and that means we are very close to 100. There is a big announcement coming for the 100th episode. I, I will maybe release it. I'll give you a clue at the minute. Um, the, the guest is someone you have seen many a time on the R2 cast. That is what I will give you the clue of. That's the first clue I've given publicly, uh, so you can try and work out who you're going to be uh, who you're going to be hearing about in R2Cast 100. But thank you as always for listening, Holly. It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I've had a lovely time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Excellent. Yeah, not a problem. And we shall see you next week for Torf and Armstrong. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.